0: Hey there, it's Jeremy from the Frameline Podcast. Today we're sitting down with Nubia Duvall wilson She's the author of The Survivor's Club, and she's also the founder of Cielo Consulting based in South Orange, New Jersey. She talks to us about her own mental health journey and her own advocacy she found through survivorship. Stay tuned. Are you listening? Dale. Damn. Alrighty, thank you guys for joining. Uh, I'm Jeremy, the founder of Mind Above, the mental health practice based in Dallas, Texas. And this is the Frame Mind podcast. And in this podcast, what we try to do is talk to people that have a perspective that they share on their journey in mental health, as well as just some great life advice, and also learn about what they do, their background, their field, and what you know drives them to continue to pursue greatness. Um, So it's cool today. I've got a friend of mine that I became friends with over the power of networking, and her name is Nubia, and she is based in New Jersey. Um, And I'll let her introduce herself as well and tell you more about her.
1: Thanks for having me on, Jeremy. Um, So yes, I'm Nubia Duvall wilson I wear a lot of different hats. Um, First and foremost, uh, I like to share that I am a survivor of child sexual abuse, and as someone who is a content creator... Avid writer, I use my voice and use my writing to create content that empowers and ignites action in others to understand what mental health, um, what it's about, what it's like to be uh, surviving um, after any type of trauma. Um, as an adult, as a mother, as a as a business woman, I, I have my own business, and um, and just everyday life, what it's like to you know live with um, with PTSD and, and living with trauma. And I'm also a business owner. I own Cielo Consulting, which is a public relations and marketing firm in South Orange, and uh, we focus on the lifestyle space. and And as I said, I'm a mom and a wife and if i add one more hat <laughs> i don't know if i'll be able to handle it so we'll keep it at that for now
0: <laughs> okay yeah well you know i think what's awesome is like first off that without skipping a beat you introduce yourself and you address the being a victim of child sexual trauma i think you know the strength that you have to share that and to use your own experience to help benefit others is very positive and rewarding. And, you know, me, of course, I'm going to be the crunchy therapist. It's all about, you know, mental health and addressing things and helping them, you know, build their strengths to do even more in our daily lives. So I appreciate you, you know, your powerful voice and your advocacy, um, you know, especially, you know, like for instance, to being able to write such a great book, um, as well as do the things you do, because I know that you do stuff to support uh, charities and organizations that help support children as well. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, Sure.
1: So I published um, a book called The Survivor's Club. Uh, I should be holding it next to me. I think it's behind me. I won't worry about that now. But anyway, (laughs) it's a novella. So it's a quick read. Um, I published this novella. Uh, a year after I started to remember my abuse. Um, So I had really done a good job, as Jeremy's probably used to hearing, of repressing those memories of my abuse. And so once they started to come up uh, while raising my children, um, I started to just go back and look at my writing. I mean, I've always written poetry. I've always written short stories. Many of my Short stories were inspired by my dreams, really, really vivid dreams since I was a child. Um, and so, when I went back to this one short story, I realized that it was trying to tell me something. It was trying to tell me, you know, you have had an in- inappropriate relationship <laughs> with a relative, you know. Um, and so, at the time, I was like, okay, this was 2016 in the summer. I said, I'm not ready to, um, you know, work on this project now. But um, there's a reason why, you know, I went back and found this 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 short story, and I'm. Later, I'm going to go back, expand it, and put it out there. And so that's what I did um, in 2017. I started working on it, and I put it out. And it's a supernatural thriller. So it's it's a story that anyone could pick up if you're into supernatural, if you're into mysteries. could uh, pick it up and read it and, and get something out of it. I purposely didn't make the book. Um, something that would be too triggering for those who are survivors. But first and foremost, I wrote the book for survivors of of, of abuse to um, remind them that uh this can be a lonely rule, but you don't have to do it alone um it's the power of the community um that will help you um during your healing process and uh and i use the book as a vehicle to have these discussions and normalize the conversation around uh, around survivorship and mental health and i do give back to charity when it's purchased it helps um new york center for children which provides free therapy services to children um from the age of three to, you know, up into their, their early 20s um, and Stop Child Predators as well, which does a lot of adv- advocacy lobbying work in, in, the, in the government um, in D.C. So. Um, so, yeah, I don't even like take anything from this book when it's sold. I give it all back. And that's what I think it's all about. How to give back to the community through this.
0: So, I know I'm going to fanboy you because I think that's awesome that you do all that and then that you're able to use your voice not only to bring awareness and help others find their voice to uh, deal with a difficult road in a difficult time because a lot of times, yeah, you know, with sexual assault as a child and you know, even into you know, adulthood, it it's, can be very tough to completely fathom the effectiveness of it. And then also, you know, it's the suppression of it over time and having to find a way to get through. So being able to utilize that, bring it to a, you know, a palatable explanation and journey in like the book form, I think is fantastic. And then also too, you turn around and you don't just stop there and share a story, you use it to benefit others so that they could do the most good. So, you know, then being able to take that and then provide services to, to kids, who may be experiencing trauma or in need themselves. That's fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned something about community and I kind of want to keen on that. So if you had to talk about in your experiences, who is someone, be person, persons, a thing that's been like most influential in development into who you are today.
1: So uh, that's a really interesting question, and uh, the answer is my abuser, (laughs) which I think people would be surprised to hear, but... um, you know when 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 I tell people when when it when the moment is right and I you know I don't just go up to random people and go hey oh, you know I'm a survivor, um, but when the moment's right and it's the the right platform I talk about this, um, and I say you know I if someone asked me if I could go back and change what happened and that I wouldn't have been abused as a child would I do that and I said no, um, this happened for a reason and I I believe that my abuser did this because he wanted to tarnish me. He wanted to, um, make me something that wasn't good. Right. Um, do something to hurt me long-term. And so what happened was the opposite. Um, I became a very tenacious, um, strong person sometimes, um, to a fault, you know, I've learned to also be more vulnerable, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, you know, if it weren't for, for, for those things that happened as, as terrible as they were, um, I wouldn't be who I am today. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and from a in the short term, um, uh, I, I, I would have to say, you know, my mom, um, it's, it's not an easy relationship that we have because um, the abuser is a relative. But I would say that my mother gave me the, the gift of writing. And in this novella, I thank her for that. Um, when I was five or six years old, she told me how to write poetry. <laughs> you know, kids are like playing Barbie dolls. I'm learning how to, you know, do similes and metaphors. Um, and so, I mean, of course, I did play with Barbie dolls too. But but yeah, so I thank her all the time for giving me, putting the pencil in my hand. Um, and that's what I used to, over the years, to to, to help me heal.
0: Okay. So something you, you bring up is the fact that, you know, the abuser is someone that has influenced you to become who you are today. So would you say maybe the response to remembering into the trauma was kind of an integral part, like the the healing journey as, as I kind of call it when I talk mm-hmm. to people?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh the, you know, I guess in some ways, I should also thank um, that the person who decided to marry me and have children with me because um, the children were the trigger. I, but before that, um, I already knew that I had anxiety. I, I had gone to a therapist years before I had started to remember because I um, wanted to understand like, why am I such an anxious person? And, um, and it was really my, my daughter's birth, being on maternity leave, which was really difficult. Um, and saying to myself, you're an overachiever, you know, when you go back to work, you're going to want to succeed. And you're going to be even more anxious than before. So you should probably see a therapist. And like, no one really gave me that advice. I just gave it to myself. Um, and so I started to see a therapist during my maternity leave. And kept it up for a while. Um, and then I had gone on hiatus, um, the following year, but anyway, that was in 2013. So, so, um, so, you know, like there's just so many different little events that, that helped to bring me to where I was in the summer of 2016. And I, I wasn't currently seeing my therapist. And so, you know, I sent her an email and I was like, mm, we got some things to talk about. <laughs> She was like,
0: Oh yeah. Okay. So that brings up something to think about too, like you said, is you know, that you did go seek mental health, but the initial, you know, draw to it was kind of addressing the anxiety symptoms. And You know, that's something that can absolutely occur is we don't even realize it, but we have this subconscious, you know, unspoken bias in us to still suppress and withhold. And our mind is so powerful that we'll have this burden and this weight we carry, but we're so used to it that we frame the problems that exist because of it as our focus areas, so our anxiety occurs. I don't know why I get so anxious. I don't know why I get so nervous in these situations. And then sometimes, like when it comes back to trauma, trauma memory, you know, is a lasting bond. And so you being able to connect that further, and it's interesting that you really, you know, you share that, hey, your mental health journey, you started there and, it, you know, it discontinued and then it picked mm-hmm. back up. And I think that's something important too, is because sometimes people that are first going into mental health and, you know, that journey and that experience, a, it feels intimidating because you think it's going to be like a movie and it's going to play out like something on TV, which oftentimes it doesn't. And B, also too, it could be a little stinging, but that stinging is bringing us a way to you know open up to vulnerability and express truth. And that truth is not just for the therapist to understand us; it's for ourselves to be understood by actually listening to what's really going on.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's interesting when when I went on the break, she. I knew that I really needed to continue. And she did too. She kind of gave me this look like, you sure you need the you know? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and And one of the reasons why was that I was starting a new job. And I was back in my tunnel vision. I need to control everything. I wanna mm-hmm. like do my best at this new job and and just focus on that. I don't wanna be taken away and have to go to mm-hmm. therapy you know, for an hour and have to think back in the office. I mean, granted, I was able to work from home mostly, which was awesome because um, I had become pregnant again. So that actually was triggering when I, so I mean, it's hard for people to understand someone's timeline, but basically I had my daughter in mm-hmm. July of 2013. I went back to work in New York City in a PR agency great company, by the way. And in February of 2014, I got pregnant again, my daughter was six months. And I was like, "Ooh!" and I'm such a control freak. Having an unplanned pregnancy is was like tr- triggering for me. And I didn't understand why other than the fact that I knew that I was always a control freak. So um, you know, my husband and I wanted two kids, I just wanted it to be you know, let's start after the summer, after I had my rosé every evening and, <laughs> you know, all of that. And it didn't happen that way. So long story short, you know, um, I got a new job um, and was able to quit my agency job. It, like the stars were aligned. I was able to mostly work from home. And so I had taken that break and really focused, you know, my, my, my coping mechanism is is overachieving and diving into work, diving into a project just to, to make myself feel like I have control and that I'm doing something that's a, that's where I can see the results, right? The fruits of my labor. And so uh-huh. it wasn't until um, I think near the end of my my, yeah, I think actually what's ironic is there was a couple of times when maybe we we, we tried it, tried doing, doing therapy just virtual. And, you know, back then, that's like taboo. What? You only want to do virtual? This is 2013. Who does that? <laughs> you know, and now it's just that's just the way it is. I tell, I tell my therapist, I'm like, we were ahead of the time. <laughs>
0: Um, but uh, <laughs> but anyway,
1: so so yeah, long story long, you know, uh, I, I fought it a lot in the beginning. And, and even to the extent of just wanting to do virtual and then just saying I need a break. And so um, I'm really blessed and, and lucky that my therapist still had, you know, room on her plate and that I had the wherewithal to when I when the memory started coming back, say, okay, the first thing I did was I emailed her, you know, and I almost yep. felt triumphant, like I figured something out. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely well it's it's that it's that awkward triumph yeah. it's like hey i'm going to you know look into something that's been so distressing that i somehow found a way to put a block between it and it always hasn't been perfect it's kind of like you know we made we made the wall but we made it out of fiber <laughs> mesh and so things are going right. to see through and, you know, it, it, they they come through at times that we don't want, and we start trying to put them extra layers on and eventually it just keeps seeping through. But when we finally address it, it's much more manageable. And we see that on that journey for healing, yeah, we can have great accomplishment and achievement because we speak to our pain and we actually allow it to be, and we acknowledge it instead of avoid it. And then moving forward, it doesn't get to occupy so much space. So I think that's beautiful.
1: Well said, yes. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So with what you do now, talk to me about what it's like in the work world um, for you. Like how do you maintain success? What are some of the changes that you have had to experience recently? So, you know, it's been since roughly you know, beginning, middle of March when COVID really, you know, hit the United States. And, you know, you were in an area that is, you know, it was initially heavily Saturated by it as it you know continued to spread. So how did that affect you? How did you you know what moves did you have to make to stay as best you could and everything? Yeah, that's a
1: great question. Um, so as I said, you know, my my company is called Cielo Consulting. I started it in 2015, uh, September 2015. So it'll be coming up on five years um, in a few weeks. And so uh, really worked hard to build this company. You know, for for an entrepreneur. Um, March was really scary because in some ways you're like, well, I've, I felt like I've had so much control for so long on my company's right. destiny and making decisions and continuing to grow. And then, and, and being okay with the fact that, Hey, I'm controlling my salary. You know, I'm not, I, I, my, um, I'm not working at an agency under, you know, other, other, other people anymore. But, um, but March was scary because I lost half my business, which, of course, you know, I mean, I have all the time. I have restaurant clients, I had personal fitness studio, you know, places that were not essential um, that had to close. And so um, authors whose books had been pushed out indefinitely. So it was scary. Um, and then, of course, I'm, I have a family. I have two kids that um, needed to be homeschooled. Uh, and no one really knew what that was going to look like and how to navigate it. And, uh, so, and we, we told our caregiver, um, who was watching our kids full time, like you need to go home and be safe. You know, you're not going to keep coming.
0: Um,
1: and I know some parents didn't do that, but you know, for, for us health is, is so important. I would never want to to impede on her ability to stay safe, as well as for ours. So um, the weird thing is, in August, excuse me, in April, business picked up. And um, I know I, I know I, I I say this a lot, and it it really came to fruition in April. I try to be so positive. I used to, to be more of someone who, that was very cynical about life, always kind of... <laughs> More negative than positive, um, and. Nice. Since the onset of PTSD and my journey of survivorship, I've started to become more positive. Which people will probably be like, "How?" <laughs> but um, but it's just your perspective changes. So even though I lost business, even though I had to tell my my colleagues, "Hey, I can't pay you because I don't have any business right now," right. Um, or you know, the one piece of business we still have, "Hey, you know what? You know our salary is going to have to be adjusted here." So um, I think that positivity and just saying, "Hey, you know what?" How else can we get work? And the weird thing, work came to me. Work came to Cielo. People reached out to me. Hey, you know what? I do want to do that project. Hey, you know what? We do need help. We need PR. And it was really inspiring and amazing that um, that that happened. And it, it it was a sign that okay, you know what? I'm supposed to have this business still. There are people out there that still need help. And and so right now we're doing really well. And I think because I I. Because the PTSD started out pretty early on when I launched CLO Consulting, mental health has always been an important aspect of the intercommunications with my staff. So um, we kind of, mm-hmm. I, I grew them in that way. Like, hey, we can talk about the fact that we've had a bad day and that you need to take a mental break. We can talk about the fact that you see a therapist once a week. So do I, you know, we, and we would joke around like, be is on Wednesday, this person's on Monday, you know, uh, don't block, you know, block. If you can't have calls, and you know Mondays at three, Um, so to be able to have that type of relationship with my colleagues, we were already virtual, so that wasn't a change. um, Really helped us, and um, and and so it helped to support one another. And and most of us are moms, right? So we're all going through it. You know, we would hear our kids in the background yelling and screaming, and just go, "Yeah, that's just what it is," you know. So, so yeah, so through it all, you know, it has been great. And um, I'm very, very lucky to, to to be in this position because I have a lot of friends and peers and, and call and, it and, and other people in the industry who, um, who are still struggling.
0: Okay. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, there was a definitive scary time as a, you know, as a business owner. And like you said, as a business that you know, just representation of other business that that could have been at the time deemed non essential, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is a new world to navigate in. And then, you know, at the time, like it almost, I don't know, for me, it almost felt like when it occurred, I was like, all right, we're going to have this happen. We're going to buckle down and, you know, hopefully by, you know, end of summer, we'll we'll see a different experience. And, you know, as we know, that is still a challenge, you know, at this time that we're going through and, you know. It's interesting, though, that, you know, you kept strong while facing adversity and you also actually were able to rely on your already existing relationship with the connection to your mental health that made you actually able to thrive, in a sense, because you didn't get stuck in it. And, you know, there are uncertain things. There are, you know, obviously circumstances that are outside of people's control as far as, you know how COVID affected their work, the livelihood, you know, layoffs, furloughs and things like that. But, you know, finding the progression to go forward and finding that, that voice to tell you that, Hey, this needs to keep moving. And Hey, it's okay to be realistic. It's okay to you know talk to clients or talk to staff and be like, this is it. This is where we're at. And it's out of the, you know, the truth and purpose and intention that, you know, you share that and be able to adapt and adjust. And it's interesting that you doing that, then you saw a turn and saw more business coming in shortly thereafter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and, and the thing is with, with this industry, um, business always comes and goes, you know, that's just how it is in the agency consulting world. This always comes and goes. And so I think because I have, started my business would sit there and be like, okay, need some new clients, where are they coming from? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) I've, I've been going through that already for five years. And, and every time I would say, all right. So a project just ended or, you, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I need help. You know, that was the other thing. When the PTSD started, I was like, okay, you know what? I need to, um, hire some, hire, hire staff. I don't want to do this on my own because it was just me in the beginning with CLO. And so I focused on getting bigger clients, more clients so that I could bring on help. I mean, now I have five, a team of five. And, uh, so yeah. that, That process of trying to grow, trying to get more business and new business early on, and then trying to keep people staffed, I think just really trained me and trained my colleagues who are also entrepreneurs. And sometimes they have their own clients, you know. And what's great now is like, if they have their own client and that client's big enough, then we bring it together. And it's just an amazing relationship that we have, um, partnership that we have. So so in some ways it was just like, okay. well, you know, this isn't anything really new per se of, of, of losing some business and trying to get new business. It's just now all these other factors that kind of make it a little bit more chaotic. Right. Um. So, yeah. so when there were times before COVID that I needed to fill my business, the first thing I did was I'd write it down. I'd say, okay, I need, Two clients or one client. I'd love for it to be a restaurant, and I need I need to make this much money. And I would write it down. And I, I mean, I know this sounds really corny, but every time I wrote it down and focused on it, within that day, within the next couple of days, someone would call. I'd get an email. Hey, you know what? I know someone that needs PR, um, or a former client would come back with something. And so it really goes back to what you put out there is what you get back. And mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So I gotta stay positive.
0: Gotta stay positive, folks. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So something you know, you're saying now, is like they gotta stay positive, but then also too, you realize like when you turn from cynicism to a more positive mindset instead of being negative focused. Um, you know, I, I like to describe that as like going from like a static mind. Like I compare it. Like I, I, I like using visuals and and things that people remember. But like I compare like static mind, you know, one of my pet peeves I hear people say is it is what it is. And I kind of compare that to like being Eeyore. Like you're just gonna, you know, sulk around and make it through the day. And, you know, everything is seen with a pessimism and, uh, you know, and, you know, impending doom kind of sensation. Oh, it is what it is. I might as well just not, you know, go and go forward and just stay here or, you know, just kind of let ourselves down. But that's kind of where we got to, take the, the jump towards a different direction and a different opportunity. You know, if we're looking on the pathway of life, if we actually step back and observe it from a little further back than we were before, we won't be so focused on that one mm-hmm. problem. And, you know, we call, I call that problem magnification. So we just zoom in on it and it's right there in our face. And we think that everything is scoped by that problem. I can barely see around it. It's right here in my face. But when we actually take pause and we step back, Doing what you did, writing it down, narrative helps tr- tremendously because it. when we do that, you know, it takes it from that closed loop system, that, that tight knit system where we're really, really super kind to ourselves. I mean, extremely sarcastic, you know, and we beat ourselves up and we tell ourselves this isn't good enough and it's going to happen. And we start worry, worry, doubt, anxiousness, and then we step out of it and we have to write it. And when we write something down, we activate our communication. And so our communication is going to naturally be, especially in the writing, in a format that someone could pick it up and halfway hopefully understand what the hell we're talking about. So that narrative is a transition into speaking what you're experiencing or thinking. And it very helpful to help guide you through instead of being that closed loop and just thinking about it and consuming yourself with it. It's a you know a tremendous step in the right direction. Um, you know, I think that's fantastic. But I also, you know, keying in on something you said about transitioning from you know the sense of negative to positive, you know, from going to you know static mind to being more adaptive. You know, it's like Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh face adversity. Winnie the Pooh just wants to get the honey, yet you know he may not. And instead of going, "Oh crap, no, well, just is what it is. I guess I'm not going to have honey," he goes and gets piglet. There is him engaging the community, like you said earlier, and he gets resourceful and he finds an adventure out of it. And it may be challenging, may be stressful, but he's still going to get the honey. So I think that's a, you know, a good little visual transition there to think about. And it's taking that forward and keep going. Because something I see as a you know, person, as a therapist, is I have people come to me and they just get very sullen and beating themselves up and pushing judgment on themselves. Yet they're doing good things and they're doing the best they can. But instead of reflecting on, hey, this is the best I can do now. And what am I going to do now? to get me to that point I wanna to go to. They get focused on this is me and I'm running on empty and I'm gonna have to just go as far as I can. And if it ends, it ends. And so we need to find a way to you know refuel the tank, get back into that sense of purpose, get back into being you know maintained and operating efficiently and effectively. And I think that the simple shift is sometimes the most profound. But absolutely, positivity and positive thinking, it's so underrated because we live in a world where we're consumed with everything is accessible and it's much more fun to watch a TikTok video of someone doing something quick and funny in a 10-second verse that could be you know, saying something audacious and silly or slapstick almost and we'll be appeased by that. And yet, when it comes to the hard work of actually sitting down with our own thoughts and considerations... We will avoid that all day, yeah,
1: it's true. It's true. We love to complain. We love to complain and and be uh, my old agency used to call it the swamp. and you want to pull people mm. in the swamp with you so that they sink with you. and um, you know if someone's constantly positive when you're being negative, you're either gonna have to go along with it or the person walks away because they're like, oh that person's so happy. I don't want to be around them. <laughs> so I'm like, fine. I don't want to be yeah. around you if you're always going to be negative. <laughs> don't, don't, so, you know, don't walk on my parade. I want to have a good time and, and be happy. And look, I mean, are yeah. plenty, I mean, there are opportunities to be to be sad as well and angry and I mean I do like a whole host of of emotions I still do you know but I think the difference is just acknowledging it like you said like being aware like okay I'm really angry right now and yelling at my kids and I'm projecting onto them and I don't like that so let me take a pause and you know figure out what am I angry about because you know when you have experienced trauma Especially child trauma, you just do such a good job of covering things up. And um mm. it's really scary. You know, I'm like, wow, I had to really dig, dig, dig to, you know, figure out that that's actually what's bothering me. Um, which is why I still go to therapy. And um, because you sometimes you you don't allow yourself to do that digging until you just stop, right? And mm. um And take that moment for yourself. The self-care is so important, right? And then, you know, you spend that 50 minutes or whatever talking to someone and realize, you start crying, all the emotions come out. You're like, oh, yes, this is what's been wrong with me. (laughs) I shouldn't say wrong, but, you know, this is what's been going on. This is why I'm having these challenges. And um, so, so yeah, you know, even if you're someone who, who thinks that they... That they can do this, you know, ride out COVID and be a parent and work and 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 figure all these things out without having any type of mental health support. I, I don't know how. I feel like you, anyone yeah. can 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 really uh, benefit from this, even if you don't have PTSD like I do. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that you know, it's also just kind of going. Something you described earlier is, you know, oftentimes when we, we put, you know, descriptors together, people put stoic and brave together and they put them in the same, you know, category. However, you know, in this example of mental health, stoic versus brave is tremendously different. You know, stoic, standing still like a statue, taking on everything as it comes and not adjusting your course and just sticking to your story. So that all or nothing concrete thinking and that, you know, seems stoic into us in the moment. But brave is that ability to be scared out of your wit and uncertain and not knowing where to turn, but still trying to take an opportunity to address and face the fear, face the anxieties that are coming your way or have been carried with you for so long. And so I think that, you know, that's a tremendous difference. you you know, being stoic or brave when we're talking about this.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I like that. Stoic or brave? <laughs>
0: yep. Every once in a while, I get a couple in there. Every <laughs> once in a while. So people have to deal with me talking about Winnie the Pooh and all kinds of other fantastic, weird stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun time. That's <laughs> so... Well, here we've been talking about mental health. Here's a question, and this is kind of a loaded question. There's no right or wrong answer, but I always like to hear from other people. In your opinion, does everyone need mental health treatment? Why? Why not?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say just about anyone can benefit. Anyone can benefit from some type of mental health treatment. Uh, I, I find that a lot of people are in denial. And then when you start talking to them more and... I think once you're in therapy, you start to or maybe it's just me because I actually like psychology. You start to understand um, how to ask certain questions and how to read people. <laughs> and so it's funny. I find that sometimes the people who are the most adamant about not going to therapy are the main ones that need it. <laughs> I would never say, you know, unless it's like a close, close friend of mine or relative, I would never say that to somebody. But but so but that aside, um, You know, I know people who have said, you know what, I have had issues with, you know, with my mom, and I just feel like I need to see a therapist to kind of unpack it a little bit more. And maybe, maybe that person only went mm-hmm. like a couple of times, right? Um. So and you were like, you know what, yeah. I had a couple of sessions, and I feel much better, and I'm good. So I, I think, you know, that's why I say anyone can um, benefit from it. And you don't have to have like a traumatic experience to to, to to say that you need it. I mean, look, in the beginning, for me, I just knew I had anxiety, and I wanted to understand and why. And I, I had no shame about it. You no, know, no one in my family really supported me in the beginning to go to therapy because, especially in the Black community, um, it's changed. But you know, um, it traditionally speaking, you just don't talk about mental health. Um, and I'm happy that the tides are changing and that it is becoming more of a, of a topic. Um, uh, but but with that said, you know, there was no one who was really cheerleading me on for that other than the fact that my best friends, especially the ones I went to college with were like, oh yeah, of course, you know, why not? Because some of us had gone to therapy in college after having like bad breakups with boyfriends and things like that, there was a free counselor that we had access to. So um, so so anyway, you know, I would say if, if, if there's something that you're grappling with, whether it's a relationship with oh. your husband or a relationship with your relative or work issues. I mean, I think right now, especially because of COVID, Everyone could benefit from at least one or two sessions with uh, a trained professional because you these are people who might not who, who are in situations that they're not used to being and you know, like for me, I'm used to feeling like I'm trapped, I felt like I was mentally trapped, you know, for a long time. And it was therapy that really helped me. Um, So So I already have a lot of those coping skills and those tools that, that, you know, that I've been using for the past three years that somebody else in this situation that's on lockdown that can't see people or, you know, or trying to balance the the kids and everything, they just don't have those tools. And and so, um, of course, there's a lot of literature out there that people can read, but there's nothing like sitting, staring at somebody whose full attention is on you and asking you probing questions that really make you think and analyze what's going on. Um, you know, that's, that, that's really valuable.
0: So I think about like, this is an example from what you just described is if we look on life as the, we're the nomad on the healing journey, on a journey across country by foot, you're gonna need a place to rest and you're gonna need a place to recuperate. And you're also gonna need a place to pull out the damn map and see where the waypoints truly are. Because sometimes we're lost and we don't even know it. Or we tell ourselves, I got this, the sun's to the west of me, I must be going north. And in fact, you're going south. So maybe on this journey, those little places you stop or you're telling people that along the way they could have help or assistance, that's their place to recuperate and revive and recharge and make sure that they chart the course in the direction that they truly want to go.
1: Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think the more people who realize that, you know, the better off we'll be um, when it comes to the, how, how, how to carry on right now, because this is a new normal. Okay. And um, it, it's, it's the, 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 the tools and the coping mechanisms, that you used before you might not have access to now, right?
0: So how are you going to navigate that? I like it. So I think there's some sound advice tied in there as well. So as always you, you give double bonus on your answer. So thank you very much Mm -hmm. for that. Um, You know, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, you know, I want to first off, of course, say I I appreciate you greatly. You've done great things for many people. Including myself with the, you know, continuing the relationship and helping people, you know, get an awareness about me, myself, my practice, my background. And that's, you know, always helpful. And I think that's something too that goes to the community of the professional is how we can connect with others that may not even be in our profession or in our quote unquote industry, yet we can benefit from that connection and that authenticity that we bring to them and they bring to us. Um, something that, you know, I kind of think about too is, you know, with this real conversation and getting to, you know, hear about you and your work as a professional and also hear about your, you know, your growth as a personal and how those have blended together and done well. And you brought up mental health. Something you said a second ago, I think is super important. If you don't mind sharing more info on is you identify that cultural experience being black female, addressing mental health. What do you mean by that? Where were some of the challenges you faced more specifically related to that?
1: Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, it's it's interesting how uh, COVID, um, the Black Lives Lives the Black Lives Matter movement, and just um, digging in a bit deeper into um, family history and family trauma um, has right. has influenced some of my 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 writing and content. Um, so for those she mentioned newbiedevall.com that's where i blog <laughs> and feature um thought, thoughtful uh experts on mental health um and everyday people as well um jeremy's on there <laughs> um so you know i've been trying to uh, unpack um the fact that historically for for myself racism has been uh traumatic for me. And I didn't realize it. And, and I'm so I'm, I'm trying to understand and looking back to, to uncover, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of baggage. And uh, there's something called the epigenetics of trauma that I came across about how trauma can be in your DNA um, for generations. So I was like, well, that's, I mean, this is still to be hundred percent proven, you know, they've had some tests on mm-hmm. it. The York Times did an interesting article about it with related to the Holocaust and, and veterans who went into, into war. But I was like, I, my eyebrow raised, cause I was like, Ooh, so let me think about this. Like, you know, mm-hmm. African-Americans, blacks in America you know, the, the, their ancestors who were here as slaves experienced a hell lot of trauma, right? Physical, emotional, mental, and, 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 and and now look at where we are now and all the trials and tribulations and how that affects your family life, how that affects how you communicate with one another, how that affects how your, your opinion of yourself, your self-worth, all of these things are starting to kind of come together in a different way for me. And, um, and so uh, mental health is something that um in my family, uh, the conversation was always quiet. You know, like, for example, we would have a family member that was a schizophrenic and it was kind of just like not really explained to me as a child what that meant. And, um, and, you know, that he needs, that he's going to get help, which he really didn't get the help he needed. I think it was because we all kind of just wanted to pretend it would just go away. Like that's not going away, you know? Um, and when I told my parents that I wanted to see a therapist before I knew anything about, you know, my trauma, um, just for the anxiety, they were just like, well, why we don't understand. Like, and yeah. um instead of being like, well, yeah, good for you, figure it out. (laughs) And um, now that I've I've educated my parents a bit more and they see the change in in me, they they get it, you know? Um, But but it was surprising that it wasn't um, supported in the beginning. Um, but then I look at it and I'm like, well, no, that kind of makes sense because of just past things. And, um, and just to give a quick example of how, of, of what I mean when I say, um, things are traumatic for me. My, my, my parents and I were on a road trip and I had, I had buried this memory until a couple weeks ago talking about it in therapy. And my parents on a road trip, you Now I live in New Jersey. We grew up in Maryland. So we were, we were going north, I, I from what I recall, um, and, uh, towards New Jersey and we needed to eat. And for whatever reason, wherever we were, there was only really a Denny's around. And this is in the, the, the late 80s, early 90s when Denny's was like, They don't go to Denny's because if you don't go if you're black because they're not going to serve you. So I remember having this fear like, are we going to get fed? And of course, we go inside. They didn't want to seat us. They didn't want to seat us. They didn't want to give us a menu. My father uh, walked with Malcolm X Was part of the Black Power Movement in the 60s. So you know he wasn't having that. (laughs) He gets up and yelling and screaming and we deserve to be fed and da, 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 da. And I I had so much shame. And that shame, that moment of shame brought me back to the moment of shame I had when I was abused when I was younger. And I cried when I told this story to my therapist because I was like, that's the problem. I don't like that shame. And racism, there's a lot of shame involved in in experiencing racism. So, you know, it's a really complicated topic. (laughs) And um, one that I'm continuing to... Just investigate and understand, and, and, and talk about, and write about, because now's the time to really unpack it more, um, and for and for non-blacks to understand it. Um, and I and I find that when I talk about the intergenerational, like intergenerational trauma, people it it, it flips a switch because it, it's not a black problem; it becomes an everyone problem. You know, if you're Jewish, you're like, oh, yeah, well, the Holocaust, I get that. You know, if you're if your parent was in the military. OK. Oh, yeah. So so it in many ways, it kind of breaks down the barriers of, of this just being a black person problem or a minority person problem. It becomes an everybody problem. Right. Which goes back to what we said before, that anyone can um, benefit from some therapy. OK.
0: Well, first off, <laughs> Holy goodness! Wow, that was really amazing. (laughs) No, no, I I love it because it's it's true and it's real and it's an example from your life and your experience. And then, you know, uh, you brought up like that moment when Dad stood up and he demanded, you know, to be served and seen as a human like everybody else in the place and as you should deserve. That childhood, you know, experience was embarrassment and shame. In the moment of frustration and anger, and dad actually addressing something. But now we come forward and we see it from a different lens, and we understand that there was an injustice, there was an unfairness. And, you know, I think talking about it, some people get really clammed up, um, you know, and I am a white male and I am a therapist and, you know, I am. Uh, very open about things and I love talking to people and give them the opportunity to feel more real and trusted and understood. And, you know, I think for me as a therapist, I always try to be more understanding of who I'm working with. So, you know, having these conversations for me, I think is more natural than others as, you know, as a non-black to be able to speak to people because I will, you know, probe and you know ask questions in a genuine way and try to build an understanding But I think the conversation is absolutely worth having. And, you know, those that are watching or listening to this and you've got questions or concerns and you're not sure how to ask them, you know, actually do some research, do some reading, do some, you know, actual old school stuff like we used to do in school before the power of the Internet and say, hey, Google, and then something shows up as a result. You know, do some reading on your own, get invested in taking a stance against your own thoughts and your own biases, because sometimes that's inherent. And, you know, I grew up in Texas. I, I love Texas. We're all yeehaw and howdy and, you know, our barbecue's the best and all that crowd. Everything's bigger stuff we talk about. But Texas has a storied past. It has a story of triumph and it also has a story that is hard to swallow and identify with. And, you know, that's something that we look at history and we'll see the realities of it. We don't just put it towards one group, one person, one positional power to be the narrative that we should see it. We actually look at every single piece of the puzzle and we see all the intricacies and the intersectionality of it. I think that's extremely powerful and taking your journey in mental health because if we just talk about you and just, as we just identify the self we're like oh well let's make you happy what makes you happy oh let's cope with this let's cope with that but we don't talk about oh by the way hey we have a concern that has shaped some of your experience and from the cultural perspective and biases against you know seeking uh, support and mental health then also from the perspective of what you're exposed to on the outside that definitely can affect you. And racism is absolutely a valid concern in our current time to be addressed and have an effect on people.
1: Very well said. Very well said. Yeah. I think that's 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 an important aspect of, of your role as a therapist is to try to understand all of the outside influences and forces that makes that person who they are. We're so complicated. Um, and sometimes we don't wanna sometimes we don't wanna dig deeper. Um and I for one have been there. I'm like I don't want to know. I don't want to go any further. I don't want to peel that away. But every time something else gets peeled away, I feel freer. You know, it's like oh yeah. Now that trying to make more sense and I understand myself and so um, so yeah. It's 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 a a liberating experience and I'm happy that I'm that I am continuing that journey and. Um, hopefully, you know, um, you and I are both helping people along the way. Right. Um, so that's really important to me too, is that I can share what I learn along this process and maybe it'll touch someone and, and, and then get them like a domino effect. Right.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, and some of us out in the world, you know, we identify as, you know, in therapy world, we call as being an empath. and so we. They literally absorb the emotions of others and take them on as their own. And so sometimes if you have empathic tendencies as well as a need for control, we often find ourselves feeling out of control because we can't fix other people for them. We have to fix ourselves first. If you're worried only about others and yourself is always last, it's really hard to get them to be at the finish line first. You know, it's not a selfish act. It's a selfless act to be able to be self aware and address your own needs in an effective manner. So then, those around you and those supported by you are going to get you at your most best version of self versus the sense of, hey, I'm good. You know, when people ask that question, how are you doing? A one of therapists will ask the, the, the really simple, loaded question, how are you doing today? And people say, oh, I'm good. And I'll just sit there and, I'll, oh, and silence is sometimes your best friend. Here's a secret skill we do as therapists. Silence is like something I had to learn to practice as a therapist. because I talk a lot, but I will sit there and go, oh, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm good turns into, well, actually this happened last week or, oh, this example, or, oh, well, this happened blah." blah, blah. And so then all of a sudden we really start to see, oh, wait a second, I'm not really addressing what I need to. And I'm telling myself something different than what is absolutely true. And me not addressing my needs and concerns, you know, proactively is pulling me from the success that I'm demanding I deserve to see.
1: Yep. All to that.
0: That's great.
1: (laughs) That's true.
0: (laughs) Well. Uh, as we kind of wrap up, if, you know, if, what are the, the takeaways? What are the most important things for people to remember about right, you? Question.
1: Um, so, yeah, I uh, have a blog, dot I create a lot of content on there. Um, same on Instagram. I'm a little bit behind with some of my Instagram TV videos because things have been so busy. But I do try, I try to do videos every once a week, every two weeks, just on what I'm learning through the process of healing. Um, and, uh, books that I'm reading, things like that. They're pretty quick videos as well. Um, and, you know, I just want people to know that I'm creating content you, I mean, uh, it definitely helps me heal. But I'm doing this for the community. I'm doing it for the community of survivors of trauma, survivors of abuse, because many of them are in the shadows. They 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 have a lot of shame about what happened to them, whether it was as a child or an adult, and they just don't want to talk about it. And they don't even know, you know, who to talk to if they wanted to, because there's so much shame. Absolutely. So um, so yeah, it's it's those that main core audience. And then sometimes I create content for the periphery audience, for the husbands, the wives, the boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, say, hey, you know what? Here's what's going on in their head right now <laughs> uh, when it comes okay. to, you know, maybe not wanting to kiss you today. And here's probably why, you know. Um, so so that's, yeah. so that's my mission. And, um, you know, follow me on Instagram, Encounters with Nubia. You can follow me on Facebook, Encounters with Nubia. And um, that's that's basically it, I guess. So maybe one day you'll see a TV show or movie out written by me. I'm in the process of pitching A TV pilot based on my novella. I'm learning how to write movie scripts, so who knows? Maybe there'll be a new bit of a production company one day. That'll be the last hat I add on. (laughs) And um, yeah, I think that's 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 it. That's probably it.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much again for taking time to do this, and thank you so much sincerely for how you conduct yourself in the world as a person who. Is addressing some of the hardships that we face. And instead of avoiding them or being overcome by them, you're trying to chip away at them one step at a time. And you know, something you mentioned is about, you know, the, the sense of parent and the sense of spouse and the sense of you know business owner. I think that you know, you being able to find a way to successfully navigate those roles, even though at times it may not mm-hmm. feel successful and finding that momentum to drive forward is absolutely a powerful narrative to you addressing your trauma your needs and your you know your your life's journey to make it the best that you can be
1: thank you thank you that really means a lot to me to hear you say that thank you for having me on i appreciate it